You're listening to Boston Needs to Know on WBCA 102.9 FM, a show highlighting local Boston news. On April 21st, Mayor Michelle Wu announced the expansion of the 2022 Boston SuccessLink Summer Youth Jobs Program. The program has expanded to include an additional 1,000 jobs for a total of 6,000 job opportunities for youth ages 14 to 18. Every year, the City of Boston invests over $10 million into local organizations to give youth exposure to diverse career paths and industries, while ensuring that their employment is an engaging, meaningful pathway for their professional development. The program is now accepting applications, and there will continue to be hybrid, virtual, and in-person job experiences in a wide variety of fields. Hearing how, like, we've gotten this program expanded so that more people can have access to these opportunities, it, like, really makes me feel warm inside because that just, like, opens up a whole new door for more youth to come and, like, experience things that they would never have been able to experience, like, probably otherwise. Like, it's, it's, it's like, it just makes me feel, like, really good that, like, um, like a new door of inclusivity has been opened for more youth in the city of Boston. And I think that's really great that, you know, a paycheck comes on the side with it too. They get educational support and leadership development. And through all that, they gain quite the number of skills in like team building, uh, working with uh, peers in sort of creating projects and completion and um, really learning about also what it means to be civically engaged and to make a difference in your community. Those are all skills that you need, um, you know, that they actually end up getting right now and they're able to apply it and transfer to other experiences that they have, you know, whether it's in school and then into the future as they go on, um, graduate high school and go on to post-secondary education or training. Summer Jobs gives them an opportunity to explore things that they may feel that they're interested in. Um, in a short term, because we want to give young people an opportunity to explore as many of their interests as possible. Um, so they're able to learn about different career fields, um, they're able to meet folks that are professionals in those career fields, and they're able to understand the skills that are necessary to actually obtain and succeed in a career um, within that particular field. On Saturday, April 23rd, the sold-out Boston Comics and Colors Festival opened its doors at the Reggie Lewis Track and Athletic Center. This was the second year of the festival, which is the first New England Comic Arts Festival centered on stories by and about people of color. Comic lovers of all ages were treated to a day filled with panel discussions, live art demonstrations, and animation and film screenings. Here's to the next generation of comic book artists, lovers, and blurts. Comics just came second nature. I grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons and I would doodle and I would write stories and draw stories with people who looked like me because it was interesting to me. I wanted to know the outcome of a girl who looked like me or of a boy that looked like my brother and I couldn't stop the stories. If there was a story such as Rapunzel, I would draw a story with a girl with gorgeous long dreads putting her dreads down the tower. Or if there was a superhero, I would say, well, well, what's revving this person up or what's their backstory? Maybe they came from Guyana, South America, like my family did, and their special powers had something to do with the things that were along the Amazon. It was just, there, there's such rich history of things to do out there. We, we are raised to know the stories of like Cinderella and all these European stories, but there are so many stories 
stories out there of BIPOC people. And uh, if, if, if no one else was telling the stories, I was going to tell the stories. As a comic book writer who had looked across the comics and saw that I wasn't seeing a lot of uh, superheroes that look like me or my children, I knew that I needed to write a story. Um, this story is being told and as we know, representation matters. And so I grew up with Spawn from Image Comics and seeing a superhero that looked like me was inspiring. And so I wanted to also create some superheroes like Laris, who's this Afro-Latina, like Angel, who's an Afro-Latino, and a Cape Verdean superhero like Tumat. And so I couldn't stop thinking about these characters. I knew that they had to come to life. And the, and the, the story is big, it's a mess. It takes place underwater and it goes to South Africa and all over. And so as a writer, I knew that um, these stories mattered, that they inspired me growing up, and I wanted to make a story for the next generation. Comics and Color Festival is very important because in the comic book industry in general, um, people of color are not represented. Characters of color are not represented. So it's important for not only um, people of color to tell their stories and make their comics, it's important to have events like this where we can come together uh, and uh, you know talk to each other about our work and share experiences and share our work and appreciate each other. As a person of color, it's important to see yourself represented in the materials that you're reading. Growing up, going into comic book stores, I didn't see myself or other brown people represented, so I felt it was important for us to tell our own stories and also important to encourage other young people and other um, people of color that their stories are valid and important. And uh, Comics in Color, we want to help uh, people get their work out and encourage young people like these folks here to uh, get into comics and uh, realize that they can do this and that they, um, they have the ability. On Monday, April 25th, two groups concerned about rider equity, transit is essential, and public transit, public good, held a joint rally ending at Boston Common. The groups came together to call on legislature to make a low-income fare program for the MBTA possible. In a recent state poll, 79% of respondents expressed strong support for low-income fare discounts. It is hoped that a low-income fare program will increase ridership for struggling populations who depend on the MBTA. A low-income fare would open up opportunities for not only seniors, but the community too. We have members who love to volunteer, but the cost of getting to where they need to go forced force them to give it up. This means less volunteers at schools, nursing homes, parks, and right here with us today, fighting for justice. Mass Senior Action has 1,200 members. Look behind me. Do you see 1,200 members? I say, it, this is time. It is time for investment. It is time to make public transportation public and good. What we know from already existing pilots is that people who have limited means do things like go to the grocery store, go to doctor's appointments, and are more likely to go to the things that they need when they have access to a low-income fare program. So it's a choice between you know, picking up extra food at the grocery store or paying for transit, and we think that that's a good reason to implement this program. Challenging times regarding inflation, grocery costs, really put them in a place where they really need what almost should be a right, which is a right to mobility. 
a right to be able to connect to their homes and their families and friends, and a right to connect to health care and, again, jobs. Connecting people where they live to jobs is an economic essential. And we here in the business community are looking forward to having a viable workforce of all of the people in the Commonwealth. Not just some of the people, but all of the people in the Commonwealth. And that means we need affordable income fares so to make sure that those people are connecting and connecting to our labor and work opportunities. Every investment in public transportation is an investment in our shared future, in every single person in our Commonwealth. Every investment is a down payment on our future when you're helping making it a little bit easier for moms and dads and caregivers to go pick up their kids, for workers to get to the hospitals to save lives, for people who are trying their best to make ends meet and create something in the city, our artists' community. Every investment in public transit makes our future a little more reachable for each and every one of us. Yes. It allows people to go and spend money in our neighborhoods to support our local restaurants and businesses and get them back on their feet again. Million dollars in home ownership for Boston residents. The proposed investments are part of Mayor Wu's commitment of $380 million to address housing affordability and stability. These new investments in affordable home ownership were part of Mayor Wu's first operating budget proposal and federal spending plan and include $60 million through the American Rescue Plan Act funds and $46 million in city funds over three years. For me, home ownership would mean never fearing another rent increase never worrying about having to move because the landlord wants me out with my kids. It would also mean building equity and a more financially secure future for my children. Why? Despite all of my hard work and all I've accomplished, has this goal been out of reach? Because my family of three lives on my one income. My rent is very high, and I have to pay my debt to the federal government and the state of Massachusetts that lent me money to attend college. I also have to support my relatives and friends back home in Haiti. Accumulating a down payment is impossible. In addition, there are almost no homes on the market that would be in my price range. Now, with $106 million for home ownership that the administration has proposed and all 13 counselors have publicly committed to support, achieving the American dream looks more possible. <laughs> and I think it is a celebration, uh, the mayor's commitment to expand home ownership opportunities, especially for moderate income families that want to stay in Boston. So many families want to stay in Boston. We hear this every single day. But with rising costs and competition to buy, they are being, uh, they're being pushed out. It's also very important, and the mayor did this, to acknowledge that home ownership rates for black, Asian, Hispanic households are much lower than the citywide average. So these new resources must be very intentional and help us correct this inequity. Working with Maha, banks, nonprofits, and developers, we're going to use this fund wisely. Um, I'm very excited to get the approvals and, and start spending and making real impact. 
We're going to make significant impacts, uh, investments in our down payment, our closing cost programs like the mayor mentioned, write down mortgage interest rates, and build very, very high quality green homes that our residents can afford. A number of people that I have grown up with have had a very difficult time purchasing homes in the same neighborhoods in which they were raised, in which their families have lived uh, for quite some time. We know that the increasing rents and the increasing uh, home values has priced out so many of our residents, especially our black and Latino residents and residents of color who have faced uh, economic hardship due to racial barriers that have been put in place over generations. And this kind of action, this kind of significant action, over $100 million towards affordable housing, uh, and not just affordable housing, but affordable home ownership, which for so many in our communities has been an oxymoron. Uh, the idea of affordable home ownership uh, seeming out of reach for so many. That's, I think, a foundational piece of the American dream. It's a foundational piece to stabilizing our communities, to making sure that our folks are able to raise their children here, to deal with uh, their school systems here, to deal with their work in, uh, in neighborhood uh, income and economics. And so making sure that we are building pathways to home ownership, which the mayor has done here, I want to thank you as well uh, for answering that call uh, and for making sure that folks were heard and that we are putting resources in place to really back up what we say. Uh, and so thank you to all the advocates and community members who made this possible because I know that this $106 million is going to make impacts not just in this generation of people who are getting that, but in future generations of folks who are going to be able to live in homes and to have homes uh, in Boston uh, that they can call their own. And so this is fantastic and phenomenal. So thank you to everybody who has done the work to get this done. It was a special day recognizing a powerful couple, Coretta Scott King and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. United in their fight for equality, human dignity, and inclusivity for all, the Kings exist in a hollowed realm for their sacrifices and strength of spirit. However, on Wednesday, April 27th, Coretta's 95th birthday, a rapt audience in Boston Common remembered them for their love. King Boston, a nonprofit dedicated to honoring the King's legacy, held a historic groundbreaking for the embrace. The soon-to-be-realized 22-foot bronze monument is the first stage of three to immortalize their love for each other and social justice. The poignant yet simple design depicts the embracing hands of the couple. The embrace will live as a symbol of black love and unity for all those who walk the grounds of Boston Common, a fitting place for the King's love story which began in Boston. See, I go to the movies and I go downtown. All of us want to have a little, leave a little footprint in the sands of time. We really do. We want to be able to look and say, you know what? I left a little piece of me here. We've done that today. This is a relay race. You know, the baton was passed to us and it's being passed to that next generation. This is a relay race about who we want to be in this country, who we want to be in this city. And it's up to us and it's not just words, it's action. So I thank you for allowing us to plant this footprint right here in the middle of the oldest public park in America because someday I'm gonna walk with my grandchild right here in this park and I'm gonna say this happened here. Now we know history. 
and we are making history today. But it is not enough to know history. It must inspire, provoke, elevate, anger, and teach us. History must move us and change us. We are at a critical moment, as you know, in this nation's history. And as optimistic as I would like to be, none of us is certain where this country is headed. These are troubled times. But this day gives us great hope that we will learn from and embrace the lessons from our past and then act on them. And so I say to those of us who are privileged to stand on this hallowed ground today, because you are here, you have an even greater responsibility to do something more for freedom, justice, and love. I think in some ways the speech that he gave over there 57 years ago, this month, 1965, 22,000 people, the mile of marchers from a playground in Roxbury to that bandstand in the rain to make their point heard about the fact that the time had come for radical change, not just here in Boston, but across the Commonwealth and throughout the country. And the fact that this is a direct sight line from that very special and important moment here in the Commonwealth, once again, is a beautiful statement about what this is all about, what it represents in the history and the opportunity and the possibility that it represents going forward. Thank you.